to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Jason Weathered. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. Jason Weathered. Weathered, actually. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, good to see you all. Great to worship together. Uh, I thought I'd start with a just a funny story because Robert does that, so now it's rubbed off on me. I uh, I was trying to impress my wife some years back when we were dating, and we were at a wedding, and so I thought I'd impress her by playing with the kids, right, and show her how I can bond with kids. This is how guys think. It's like I'll show off my you know maturity and such. And uh, so I was jumping on this trampoline with these kids, and we were all laughing and cracking up and falling over. And uh, me and my friend's son, like, we were sort of bonding, right? And I was like, this is awesome. We're going to be, like, best friends forever, man. And uh, I mean, he's a little, like, eight-year-old. And uh, we're jumping around, and it's great. And then we sort of fall over on the trampoline, and we're sort of looking at each other face-to-face. And I, he's about to say something. And I thought, all right, he's now, now he's going to tell me how awesome I am and, like, how much he wants to be my friend, and we're going to hang out. And he just goes, your breath smells like cheese. (laughs) So that was my moment. We never talked again, never hung out again. And it has no relevancy at all to what I'm preaching about. That was just, God reminded me of that story, so I thought I'd share it with you. Uh, Hey, last week we had such a good Sunday. We baptized a bunch of people, if if you remember, and just wanted to remind you that was an amazing Sunday just seeing everybody giving their hearts to Jesus and being baptized and celebrating that together. Uh, so such an awesome week. And next week we have Easter. So, you know, Easter is such an important time, obviously, because uh, we're celebrating Jesus Christ and everything that he did. But it's also a very open time for people. And so uh, today's message, I'm going to focus on, we're going to title this, Give It Away. So, you know, the vision of our church is get rocked, get real. And give it away, right? So I want to talk about give it away and, you know, specifically God's great compassion for the lost. Uh, and, you know, as Easter's approaching this week, it's going to be a very practical message for us uh, that we would give it away and invite people into Jesus Christ and to our church and to be a part of everything that God has for them. Uh, so, you know, first I just want to establish a foundation for, for this message. And, uh, you know, sometimes... It's important to think, well, what does God care about? Like, does God care about the lost? Does he fo- is he focused on that? How focused is God on that? And something I've learned over the years, uh, when, when I have questions about God, I've learned, uh, it says in Colossians 1.15, it says the Son is the image of the invisible God. So that means if you ever want to know what God's like, you can look at Jesus Christ and go, okay, that's what God's like. And if you ever want to know what God cares about, you should look at how Jesus spent his time. Because that's what God cares about. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, just a life scripture for me for ministry, uh, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So when you look at Jesus Christ, 
you realize, wow, Jesus, he went through all the towns and villages. Like, that is some commitment, right? I'm going to go to all the towns and villages. He preached in the synagogues to the educated and well-off. He went out to the streets to the poor and crippled and people that needed healing. He was going to everyone. And when he looked at the crowds, his heart broke for those people and had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Like, like that's how he looked at people. Like, my heart breaks for you. You need a shepherd. You need to be saved and rescued. Uh, and then he turned to his disciples, his guys, and he said, guys, the harvest is plentiful. Like, there's so many people that need to be rescued and cared for. And this is how Jesus, he was consumed with this. So, you know, as a foundational truth, I just want to say God's heart breaks for the lost. So say it with me. God's heart breaks for the lost. All right, so let's try it again because that was awkward. God's heart breaks for the lost. Thanks. Perfect. Let's pray as I jump into this. God, I just ask uh, that you would touch our hearts. God, we don't want to just come to church. We want your heart inside of us. We want to care about what you care about. We want a revelation. So I do pray that you'd change my heart, change our hearts, God, as a church, as a family, uh, to really be focused on what you love and what you value the most. So give us your heart today. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Um, if you could grab this, too, you have this card on your seat. It's an Easter invitation. I'd love you to have that in your hands because we're going to do something with this a little later. Uh, again, this is our invitation for next weekend's services. So just have that in mind as we proceed. Let me start by reading this uh, parable out of Luke chapter 14, verse 15. It says, When one of those at the table with Jesus heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So he brings up the kingdom of God topic. So then Jesus launches into a story to describe the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Okay, so this is such a great story Jesus tells to help us understand the kingdom of God and to understand who God is, what he cares about, what he's like. So let's break this down a little bit. Let's start in that first verse, Luke 14, verse 15. It says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Can I start by saying how blessed are we who get to go to heaven? How many of you are looking forward to heaven? I mean, I'm really looking forward to heaven. Whenever you, whenever you kind of dive into heaven, the topic, you get fired up. Have you ever read a bunch of scriptures about heaven? You just start thinking, whoa, like, why don't I think about this more often? 
You know, that perspective of like, I'm going to heaven, like through Jesus. This is why Jesus came for us, so we could go to heaven. And in Revelation 21, it describes heaven. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. So heaven, I mean, what an amazing place, right? No more tears, no more pain, no more mourning, no death. Uh, So we get to experience heaven through Jesus Christ. But then on the other side of this, I want to say, how tragic is it for those who don't go to heaven? I mean, this is tragic. It was hard coming up with the right word. Like, it's beyond tragic, right? And uh, I was hanging out with a guy I'm discipling, and we were just talking, and uh, he brought up the topic of hell and kind of said, what do, you, what do you think about hell? And I, I remember the time when I hadn't read the Bible yet, and I was like, I don't know if hell's real. Does Jesus ever talk about it? So as me and uh, my friend were talking this last week, uh, we did what any, anyone would do, and we Googled scriptures about hell. Okay, so we, <laughs> I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, by the way. You're like, oh, man, this is going to be a bummer. Uh, just a few things we read real quick, some of the, the key words that describe hell. Uh, it says, fiery lake of burning sulfur, the second death, eternal punishment, everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of the Lord, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so these are things that Scripture says. And so hell is a very real thing. Uh, Jesus speaks about it. And sometimes I just have to remind my, we, we need a wake-up call sometimes, don't we? How many of you need a wake-up call every once in a while? Like, whoa, let me get back to reality here. Heaven's real, hell's real. Uh, and I sometimes think, wow, if I really had a, a revelation about that, I think I'd live a little differently, a little more compelled that people would not go to hell. Amen? Okay, just making sure you're with me. You know, that revelation's huge, and, and I just want to set that foundation that God loves us so much, and he's prepared a way for us to go to heaven, but there's also the tragic side of that equation as well. Like, people uh, may not go to heaven as well. And let's continue this. It says in Luke 14, 16, it says, Jesus started telling a story. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. So, of course, he's talking about God, saying God has created this banquet. He's created heaven for us, and he's inviting many guests. And I just want to say, I think one of the things that the world has missed about God is God's Father's heart for us. That is the main thing the world does not understand about God. Uh, If you've ever prepared a banquet, have you ever prepared a banquet for somebody? Like, I've done it for my kids' birthday parties. I'm like down slaving away for my four-year-olds, you know, whatever, like whatever age, you're like, what am I doing? I'm like slaving, trying to make this perfect experience for the kids and their friends. And, you know, sometimes we, we create these banquets and host people in our homes. And it's this great expression of love, isn't it? We're saying like, I, I care enough for you. I'm, I'm just down on my hands and knees, like ready to serve. And, you know, God's father's heart for us is kind of shocking, actually, because he's God. I learned this week that Did you know Islam has 99 names for God? Not one of them is Father. And I think it's a great illustration of how 
revolutionary Jesus Christ is. Because when Jesus came, he said, you want to know how to talk to God? First thing you say is, Abba, Father. Like, that's who God is. And Jesus came to reveal God to us. And at God's core in his heart is that he's our Father. And when you understand he's your Father, you understand how much his heart breaks for those who are away from him. Because if you're a dad, and I'm a dad, if you're a mom, you know how much your heart breaks for your kids and how much you long for their safety and for them to be near to you and all that stuff. So, you know, God is our loving Father. Uh, in Luke 14, 17, going on in the story, it says, At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So you catching this? The master prepared the banquet, but the servant had to go invite people. How many of you are serving God these days? All right. Raise your hand. All five, seven, 10, 20, 30 of them. All right. God's, God's the one preparing the banquet. The servants are the one inviting people to the banquet. And so our job is to invite. Our job is to do the inviting. And, you know, it's like, really? Are you sure? Doesn't God just show himself to people and do it himself? Well, yeah, he does that too. But let's remember 2 Corinthians 5.19. It says, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through me. Are you serious? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you got to personalize this, okay? God is trying to make his appeal through you. You have been appointed an ambassador for him. He's created this banquet, and he wants the whole world to be there, to fill up his house. And he said, all right, you're the one that needs to go invite people. <laughs> like, you're my ambassador. You take this invitation and go bring people in. And so we're called to do the inviting. I remember the first time I tried to evangelize or tried to tell somebody the gospel. I have a picture of it because somebody took a picture, which is amazing. Um, I'm on a beach in Newport Beach. I just been taught how to share the gospel. And so I remember walking up behind this guy and I'm like, oh man, here we go. <laughs> I'm so nervous. And I'm like, this is really awkward. His shirt's off and to sit down and how do you do this and so I was like hey what's up and sat down next to him and in me this thought goes in my head oh I know what I'll do to describe Jesus to this guy and so I'm sitting next to him and I I sort of brush my hand in the sand I'm like hey let's pretend like you're God okay and let's say you create a bunch of ants <laughs> Now, I thought, <laughs> in my head, I was like, this is going to be awesome. This is a great analogy. Let's say you create a bunch of ants, and then you're like yelling at the ants. Don't live that way. You're doing it wrong. But they're not hearing you, so what do you have to do? You have to become an ant, <laughs> right? And as I'm starting to say this to them, I realize how stupid it is and like how bad this analogy is. It's not working at all. I'm like, what am I saying to this guy? This is like a train wreck. And then I eventually get to how the ant died for the other ants. And, uh, you know, I get through my story. I'm like, this is awful. I'm never going to do this again. And uh, I share one scripture with him. And the guy gives him gives his life to Jesus, like powerfully, like, 
he just tells me, he's like, man, that was, I've never heard this before. It was so clear and I never got it. And thank you so much. Gave his life to Jesus. And I'm like, the ant analogy is awesome. So I, I tried it three more times and it didn't work. So I stopped, I stopped it. So don't use it. It doesn't work. My point is though, we get so intimidated, right? By, we think, man, I have to be so eloquent to be an ambassador for God to like represent. I have to know my scripture. I got to know, I got to memorize that. And I've got to learn the art of evangelism and got to be trained in apologetics. I don't know. You don't. That's not your job. You just need to invite. God's, God's word is powerful. You don't have to make it powerful. It's just powerful on its own. I shared one scripture. That scripture, you know, that scripture saved that guy's life. It was definitely not my presentation. <laughs> you know, God's word is alive and active. It accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. And man, when you send God's word into somebody, it pierces their heart and changes their life. And I just want to encourage you, don't be so intimidated. We, we just need to be ourselves, do our best, and God can save lives. Imagine that through you just opening your mouth, sharing, inviting somebody into it. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, as a Christian, our main business is to win souls. Our main business. I don't know what you think your main business is, because I know you got business, you got school, you got family. But what is your main business as a Christian is to win souls. I'm talking, we can get distracted even at, you know, working at a church, right? Like I'm the worship leader, I'm the kids worker, and I'm, we're busy doing all these things, and we can forget our main business is soul winning. Like, to rescue people from hell, get them into heaven. That is why Jesus, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. Like there's not many purpose statements for Jesus. That's the one though. I've come to seek and save the lost. And so our main business is to seek and save the lost. I think this was greatly illustrated for me uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I'm in business and I had to travel overseas to, I'm, I'm in sales and I was trying to go to this company to close this big contract, which would have been very nice for me to close that contract. You know what I'm saying, right? That would be nice for me to close a big contract. And, you know, I, I had to go overseas for like four days to do this big trip, presentations, see this company. Um, and over this trip, uh, you know, I decided I don't, want to, I don't want to just do business. You know, I want to be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> through the trip, too. Uh, I saw nine people come to Christ uh, through this trip, and I was just on my own, and it was just kind of stuff happened along the way, and that was awesome, right? And then I come back home, uh, and eventually the contract fell through. I didn't get the contract. And I, it really, it was one of those that hurt, you know? It was like, oh, and I was praying and saying, God, I gave so much to that, like emotionally, I believe that, was, that contract was coming in for me and my family, you know, just t talking to God about it. And God clearly spoke to me. I did not send you there for a business contract. You got nine contracts, right? You got nine eternal life contracts on that trip. You know, when I sat down on that plane, there was a young man next to me, and I talked to him. He gave his life to Jesus. On a different plane, there was a woman and her daughter we spoke, and they gave their lives to Jesus. And I was in a restaurant over there and talked to a guy that was nearby, and he gave his life to Jesus. And I talked to a family of five, a couple with three kids who were sleeping on the street, and they all prayed together to give their lives to Jesus. Uh, 
And I just, you know, is God, I mean, I know God's sovereign, but is he, is he that sovereign? <laughs> is he that sovereign where he would actually arrange a business opportunity that's going to flop for me just so somebody can get saved? Is he that sovereign? Does God value souls more than he values me closing a contract? I don't know, that's a tough question, right? I think he might. I think he might value souls more than my bank account. I think his priorities are straight. And, you know, you might be in business, you might be at home, you might be a student, you might be on church staff. It doesn't matter. Our job is to win souls. God's intentions behind your, your meetings and your daily life is that people would receive the invitation because you're his ambassador. That's job number one in your life. And, uh, you know, we, we have to get reorientated sometimes and remember who we are, what we're called to be. And by the way, little side note, I don't always see nine people come to Christ on my trips. That was a unique experience. Just kind of throw that out there, all right? You know, that, I, I wish I walked in that. I'm not, I'm not good at evangelism. I'm not, I'm not gifted at, like, sharing these grandiose stories. I'm always impressed when I hear people that are. Uh, I'm just telling you, God's really faithful when you just step up and say something. Uh, if you think winning souls sounds weird, sorry, it's in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous... So the fruit of a righteous person is a tree of life. So your tree is supposed to have fruit of, like, life. is supposed to be coming off you. And it says, he who is wise wins souls. How many of you want to be wise? All right. You know, and is it extreme to say we're saving lives? It's definitely not. It's all through the Bible. When Paul talks about what he's up to, 1 Corinthians 9.22, uh, he, he talks about it all the time. He says, to the weak I become weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. So Paul clearly says, I'm out there to save people's lives. You know, and this is just fundamentally our calling is to see people come to Christ and to be saved. Let's continue the parable uh, in Luke 14, 17. It says, uh, after the servant goes out and makes all the invitations to everybody, uh, it says, they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I don't know why. <laughs> that one always makes me laugh. I just got married, so I can't come. Sorry. Uh, so this is my deepest insight of the day for you. Uh, our excuses are lame. Like, would you agree? Those are just dumb excuses. And I think Jesus is telling this story like, guys, <laughs> like, really? I bought some oxen. I have to go check them out. <laughs> you know, I mean, really imagine this. God is, has created heaven for you. Eternal life <laughs> to wipe away all suffering and tears, take away death, wipe away your sins. And we get wrapped up with this dumb stuff that just keeps us from accepting Jesus into our life and receiving eternal life. It's insane. Uh, there's a pastor called Greg Laurie, and I heard him say something once, and I rewound it and wrote it down because I was like, that is good. So I want to read it to you. He said, people talk about everything they give up to follow Jesus Christ. 
as if it's a difficult choice. They talk about the careers they gave up, the places they had to move, the lifestyle they left. But really, guys, you want to hear what I gave up for Christ? I gave up eternal condemnation. Wow, that was a tough one. I really wanted to hold on to that. I gave up depression. I gave up hell. I gave up guilt. I gave up torment. And I gave up shame. What a tough decision it was to follow Jesus Christ. And uh, really, what, what is holding you back? Can I just say today, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, let's get rid of this worthless stuff. A guy called Bill Johnson said, I gave up something worthless for someone who is priceless. And we hold on to this worthless stuff. It is truly worthless. Like, I'm not going to stand before God one day and he's going to say, Jason, wish you closed that contract, man. I, it's worthless. It is. At the end of the day, it's worthless. It means nothing. We hold on to these things like they're everything and they're nothing. And God's inviting us in and, you know, wants us to experience eternal life and to be part of this banquet he's prepared. Luke 14, 21, it says, the servant came back and reported this to his master then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. When I was looking at that scripture, uh, it just stood out to me that, that the master said, go out quickly. And I think there's an urgency to the gospel that we forget. There's like an urgency that God has that people would be saved. And I think we get a little too mellow. We get a little too relational and flow. We're, we're always looking for that nice moment when it's just perfect. There's not an awkward moment when I tell this person about Jesus or invite him to church. It's just going to naturally flow into the Jesus conversation. How many of you are still waiting for that to happen? The natural flow into a Jesus conversation. How often did that happen for you this week? <laughs> this year? Never, this has never happened in the history of mankind. Uh, can I just say, 100% of the time when I've sh shared the gospel with somebody or invited them to church, it was awkward. It requires an awkward moment, and you just got to embrace it. All right, I'm going to create an awkward moment right now. Nice little, even the masters of transitions into the gospel, I'm like, that was a little awkward. But that's okay, and it's so worth it. Are you with me? It's worth it to create an awkward moment to save somebody's soul to see that they come to Christ. The other thing I saw in that scripture right there is that God is faithful to every individual person. Even if you are hiding out in an alley, you're going to get invited to the banquet. So you can't, you can't hide from God's invitation. God is going to find you. He's going to invite you in. Uh, I was reminded of, uh, I went to school up at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. No shout outs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that hurt a little bit. Just silence. Uh, after I came to Christ in college, eventually I was leading a life group in one of the student uh, housing units called Mustang Village. Yeah. Shout out for Mustang Village. And uh, one of the, my favorite things that happened, there was this, this freshman, his name was Steven, and Stephen was raised in a Buddhist family. Uh, that's all he knew was Buddhism his whole life. And when he came to college, 
he started getting extremely depressed. He was just struggling. Life was getting tough, and uh, he was really crying out uh, to Buddha for help and all these things, and nothing was changing over some weeks. And he got to the point where he just wanted to give up on life and everything. And he, uh, one morning, he took a hike up to the, the – we have this big P that stands for Pali up on the side of a mountain. And he climbed up to that P and was sitting there looking over the campus uh, and he said he just gave up. He's like, uh, you know, nothing that I'm praying is happening, and, uh, you know, I need help. And he said he had heard about Jesus. He doesn't know anything about Jesus at all. But he said he prayed, Buddha, this is what he prayed to Jesus. He said, Buddha can't help me. Can you? That was it. And nothing changed. He walked down the mountain. Do you know that that same, that, so that was the morning that evening, a guy from my life group knocked on his door, uh, inviting people to church. And he knocked on the door, and he's, you know, Stephen was like, hey, what's up? He's, and the guy in my life group, he said, I'm here to just talk to you about Jesus. And he was like, are you, <laughs> are you serious? Like, this morning I asked Jesus to help me, <laughs> right? And sure enough, Stephen ends up coming uh, gets, you know, gives his life to Jesus, uh, ends up marrying a worship leader at our church, so you know that was a real deal. When you marry a worship leader, you're like a Christian Christian. But, you know, God is so faithful. It's amazing how many stories I hear like that where uh, people are crying out to Jesus. What does Jesus do? He sends one of his people to go invite them in. Amazing. There's so many stories around it. Uh, and God wants to use you to bring a message to somebody. I was at my sister's church uh, a couple years ago. She goes to church up in Spokane. And uh, I was sitting there on a Sunday, kind of like relaxing. I was like, all right, I'm just going to take a, I get to just take today off, right? Because I don't have to think about, you know, what's going on. I'm just a guest here, so I don't have to think about anything. And then I just felt God saying, nope still a Christian. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I said, God, uh, highlight somebody to me. And I wanted to bring up this story because this is what you should do this week. Do it all the time. You should do it right now. Uh, you should always ask God as you look around a room or wherever you're at, just say, God, highlight somebody to me. And God will draw your attention towards somebody. And you just always make it an effort. I often challenge guys I'm discipling, like any service you ever come to or any life group meeting or wherever you are, just Always during, you know, while the preaching's happening, whatever, just look around, ask God to highlight somebody to you, then beeline to that person right after the service and share whatever's on your heart for them or encourage them or whatever. And uh, so I'm sitting in this service at my sister's church, and I ask God to highlight somebody to me. I look over, and I see this giant guy. He's just a, just a big, strong person. And uh, he just looks disheveled is the best word I can, like his hair is sideways, and he, I thought he was maybe homeless or something. And then I hear God tell me, you need to tell him he's a pastor. He's supposed to be a pastor. And I, I thought, God, that would be irresponsible. <laughs> like, this guy, is, his life is not in order. Like, you can just tell. Like, you need some sort of order in your life to pastor, I think. And, you know, just, it's just one of those things, like, over and over, God's just like, no, go tell him. I want you to tell him. And so I was like, okay, and... I walked over to him right after the service ended, and I said, hey, can I just pray for you real quick? And I was like, I was like, okay, hey, I just 
felt God say that you're, you're called to be a pastor. And the guy, you know, starts tearing up and he goes, he goes, hey, man, I know I look like a wreck, but I've, I, I, I've been a pastor for seven years. I've, I'm taking three months off to figure out if this is what I'm supposed to do. How crazy is that, right? And I just want to tell you, like, God, I don't know why I'm always shocked that, like, I was so shocked. I was like, oh, God knows this person, which is so, it's really dumb after, you know, years and years and years of this happening, like, all the time. <laughs> I'm still shocked every time. I'm like, what? It was right. And uh, God wants to use us. It's amazing. You know, uh, I remember the first time I was in a, I was in this park in San Luis Obispo, and there's this guy like 50 yards from me, and God is like, you need to talk to that guy. And I was like, because it's all good talking about this right now. We all feel spiritual and we're in church, but then you're going to be like, you're going to be out in the real world, and God's going to highlight somebody, and then you have to deal with the fear, right? And I'm just like, and I literally paced for 10 minutes just like staring at him just back and forth by myself, like taking deep breaths, like, all right, all right, what am I going to say? How's this going to work? And I'm like, God, you didn't, I don't know if you said it anyways. Like, yes, I did. And, you know, I'm just doing the wrestling match we all go through. And I'm like, God, not only that, there's nothing anywhere near him. So me walking to him is like, he's going to see me coming for 50 yards. <laughs> anyway, End up, end up breaking through. I just want to say, God, we got to overcome the fear, all right? It, that guy's life was in the back. Like, that's a life and death situation. Well, not life and death. Life and death situation. And God's calling us to go invite. And this week is no less. That invitation in your hand is a life or death situation to go invite people in. And so we got to break through and conquer the fear. Luke 14, 22, to wrap it up, it says, uh, sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and county lines and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. God wants his house to be full. He wants heaven to be full. This room isn't even full. And this is a tiny room. We, this church needs to be full. We care about our church being full. Not because of numbers, because we care about souls. We care about people. God cares about people. And, you know, that servant said, there's still room. Like, there is still room. You know, God is so determined that he will send more than one invitation to people. Uh, and I thought, it's so funny because this servant, you know, he just says, get back out there, man. <laughs> like, you've already been out in the alleys and the streets. Go back out and compel them. I'm like, how do you compel them after you've already invited them? Is he supposed to tell them, like, hey, did you know there's cake, you know, at the banquet? <laughs> And uh, I started thinking of all the things I've done to compel people. It's true, right? Like, you, you have to go back again. They said no before, but now you go back and you say, there's girls there, right? And it's a lot of pretty girls. I don't know what you have to do, but I've seen more people get saved that way than any other method, by the way. Just get them to church. Get them in the door. I'll take you to lunch after. Bribe them. Bribe people. <clears throat> You know, God's determined. It's like, I thought too, it's like you're receiving an invitation to a wedding and you know you fill out the RSVP card. You say, no. You send it back. 
And then you get another one with, like, more reasons why you should come. You're like, no, send it back, just get another one. This is how God works with us. He's so faithful, isn't he? Like, even if you say no, he just sends another invitation, another invitation. A lot of you are being invited right now by God. Your heart's beating because God's knocking on your life and saying, come on, time to give me your life. Time to give me your life. It's time to get saved today. Some of you need to get saved today. And, uh, you know, those who are already in Christ, we need, to, we need to take it to the streets. We need to take it to the people around us. So as we wrap up, let's stand up together. And I want you to grab this card in your hand. And I want to say there's three things you can do. One, you can pray for somebody. So we're going to ask God to put somebody on our mind in a second, and we're going to pray for him. Number two, you can believe for that person to be saved. You know, you might be the only person that, that is believing for that person to be saved. You might be the only person contending for that person, praying for them. So we're going to believe for them and fight that battle. And number three, you can invite someone. You can actually speak to them and say, come. And so close your eyes with me, and I just want to do something a little different today. Um, first, with our eyes closed, if you feel that you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you know, you know what, I need to do this today. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I just want to ask you, everybody's eyes closed. Can you just raise up your hand real quick so I can see you? Great, I see you there in the middle. Awesome. Are there others? You need to give your life to Jesus today? Great, God bless you. In the middle. Anyone else? Awesome. Just, uh, you can put your hands down. and uh, Let's just all pray this out loud together, but specifically you who raised your hands would invite you to pray this with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I repent of my sins. And I thank you that you died for me. Thank you for your love. Today I give you my heart. I pray that you'd save me. And I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, what you just prayed, if that was you, that that uh, is the most important prayer you've ever made in your life. And we want to walk through this journey with you. So please, as I invite people forward at the end, we'd love you to come forward and just let us pray with you and talk with you about what, what just happened in your life. Uh, as we end right now, I want to do something a little different. Normally, we would come forward to get prayer for ourselves. Today, we're going to come forward and pray for other people. So whoever God put on your mind today, whoever God's putting on your heart, maybe God even just put a, you know, a neighbor community, like, hey, that apartment complex next to me or the neighbor on this side, don't even know their name yet, whatever. I want you to walk forward as a sign of a prayer and just say, God, I'm bringing this person before you today. I'm bringing them before you. And God, I cry out for them that you come and save this person. And we're gonna have a prayer team up here that can pray with you for that person. Uh, or you can just group up with somebody uh, next to you up here and pray for them as well. But I'd like uh, to invite the prayer team to come forward. And as we worship and sing, why don't you come forward on behalf of those people that God's put on your heart. And let's begin to pray and worship on their behalf. In Jesus' name, let's, let's worship.